You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Tea value surges as production slows in China. International Tea Day is May 21st, and the SOFA Summit is May 23rd. Don't miss People's Picky Preferences in Tea, a European Speciality Tea Association webinar next Wednesday. Plus, Yonomi Life founder Ian Chun discusses Japan's resurgent tea export market and the remarkable story of the record-setting 2 million yen hand-rolled green tea. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Keilani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Eliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Value surged as production slowed in China, a country that has powered tea growth for decades. China is the world's largest tea producer and consumes 40% of global tea, mainly green. Consumption grew by an average of more than 10% per year from 2009 to 2019, but declined to 2.5% growth in 2020. Last year's consumption is estimated to have increased by 4.5%, according to the Economist Intelligence Unit. In 2021, the China Tea Marketing Association estimated the value of China's crop had increased by 30 billion won, about 4.4 billion U.S. dollars, to 293 billion won, which is about 43.2 billion U.S. dollars, an 11.5% increase. Production increased by 3 billion kilos up by 2.6% compared to 2020. Production values in six of China's tea-producing provinces exceeded 20 billion won last year. That's about $3 billion U.S. The province with the highest value crop was Jizhou at 42 billion won, 
followed by Sichuan at 33.5 billion won, Fujian at 30 billion won, Zhejiang at 26 billion won, Hubei at 22 billion won, and Yunnan at 20 billion won. Production stagnated in 2020 as China wrestled with COVID. Last year, the country recovered as demand for away-from-home returned to pre-pandemic levels. China produces 45% of the world's tea in 2021, experiencing an overall increase of about 77,100 metric tons. Yellow tea, highly prized but grown in small quantities, was the only tea category that declined in 2021, falling 8.3% to 13.3 thousand metric tons. White tea saw the biggest increase to 89,900 metric tons, rising 11.4% compared to 2020. Green tea production was flat at 0.36%, an increase of only 6,700 metric tons to a total of 1.85 million metric tons. Black tea continues its growth spurt to 435,000 metric tons, an increase of 7.5% compared to 2020. Dark tea production increased to 397,000 metric tons, a 6.3% increase, amounting to 23,500 metric tons. Oolong remains the fourth most popular tea among growers at 287,000 metric tons, but increased by only 3.4% compared to 2020. The provinces that produced the largest quantities of tea were Fujian, Hubei, Yunnan, Sichuan, and Jizhou. Sichuan showed the highest gain in production, recording a 34,700 metric ton increase compared to 2020. Business Insight Tea cultivation is considered essential to the Chinese government's efforts to reduce poverty. The government has eased access to credit for farmers applying for loans from agricultural banks and rural cooperatives that are used to purchase equipment and improve technology in the field. Consumption of black tea is accelerating leading China to import significant quantities of Orthodox and CTCTs from Africa, India, and Sri Lanka. The Tea and Herbal Association of Canada will conduct its third annual SOFA Summit from dusk till dawn on May 23rd. The event, hosted by THAC President Shabnam Weber, is a global village, a virtual gathering where experts in their field have conversations about tea, health, and tea culture. The summit is a YouTube live event recorded and free for all. The summit begins at 7.30 a.m. on Monday, May 23rd. You can set a reminder at youtube.com to watch Sofa Summit 2022. International Tea Day is celebrated annually on May 21st with events to raise awareness of the long history and deep cultural and economic significance of tea around the world. This year is the third observance. To learn more, visit www.un.org and search for Tea Day Observances. 
people's picky preferences in tea. Tea trees are remarkably alike. Tea drinkers are not. Chewing newly sprouted leaves in the ancient forests in Jingmai tastes little different than nibbling buds plucked from expensive plantations in Shizuoka, Japan, Assam, India, Sri Lanka, or Mozambique. What sets tea apart is its transformation by the hands of man. Tea's infinite versatility results in chaotic, fragmented markets that are defined by consumer preferences in sourcing and cultural preparation. All the world's fine teas are local. Billion-dollar brands prosper by marketing blends globally, but suppliers that concentrate on producing local teas earn the highest profits. A key differentiator is a preference for broken and whole-leaf teas that are produced using traditional orthodox methods. Generations of Russians, Ukrainians, and Eastern European tea drinkers, as well as those in Turkey, Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Libya, and Jordan, prefer orthodox tea, a style that is experiencing a time of upheaval due to war and economic crisis. Join me in exploring regional tea brands, including Orimi, Kai, Tapal, Yorkshire, BOH, Dilma, and May Tea, each with packaging, merchandising, and a taste so distinctive that consumers remain loyal for decades. The webinar, A Matter of Taste, is Wednesday, May 18th at 7 p.m. British Standard Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the event is hosted by the European Speciality Tea Association. Registration is free. Visit specialityteaeurope.com slash webinars to sign up. Marketers say there are 15,000 teas, but a more accurate number is 8.2 billion, which is the number of cups of tea consumed each day. Arbinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on this week's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending May 7, 2022. After a heat wave, the country is now experiencing rain and thunderstorm. Several parts of India, including Kolkata in the east and the southern coast, and interior South India, have received rain and thunderstorms of varying intensity. In other news, in a historic move, Assam's tea gardens will see the opening of 97 high schools this week. So far, tea gardens have offered primary school education to children of tea workers. This has meant that once the children finish primary school, they have to travel far to continue the schooling. This has also led to increased dropouts. The current plan to introduce high schools was proposed back in 2017-18, with a plan for 200 schools, of which 119 were to be high schools. Besides lessons, the schools are also expected to offer breakfast and midday meals to students. In tea prices, all auction centers were operational for sale 18. In North India, Orthodox leaf and dust saw a good uptake in a continuing trend from the previous week. This trend was also seen in the south, with Coimbatore seeing 100% of Orthodox leaf on offer sold and Kunur sold 100% of Orthodox dust. Hindustan Unilever in the north and A.V. Thomas in the south were top buyers. Only half the Darjeeling tea on offer was sold, with a demand for organic whole leaf grades. We also have a comparison with sale 18 for 2021, and this indicates a lower volume of CTC leaf and dust in both North and South India this year. And now, a word from our sponsor. 
Q-Trade understands that a successful tea blend goes beyond the creative fusion of appearance, aroma, and flavor. Our multi-award winning product development team is passionate about converting natural ingredients into sensory experiences that customers crave. Every recipe is formulated with a commercial backbone of dependable quality sourcing with a pricing structure that supports a safe, regulated, profitable, and scalable blend. Q-Trade meets every brand's retail, food service, and e-commerce need. For more information, visit our website, QTradeTees.com. This week, TBiz travels to Tokyo to discuss with Unomi Life founder Ian Chun, Japan's resurgent tea export market, and the remarkable story of the record-setting 2 million yen hand-rolled green tea. Ian Chun is a Japanese tea merchant, marketer, and CEO of Matcha Latte Media in Tokyo. In 2013, he founded Unomi Life, an online platform showcasing 170 small-scale Japanese tea farms with a mission to put Japanese culture into the hands of consumers around the world. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast, Ian. I was astounded recently to see the record-setting 2 million yen sale of a single kilo of authentic hand-rolled green Semidori Sencha at the Shizuoka Farmer's Market. The transaction value was actually 1.968 million yen to be precise. It's about 15,000 US dollars. This is a record price for tea sold at the first auction. Actually, it's a record price for tea sold in Japan. What the English news uh, media has not portrayed is that there is a very specific reason for this specific price. The tea was sold by the new Japan Agriculture Co-op division called Fuji Izu. This co-op is a merging of eight different smaller co-ops in the eastern region of Shizuoka. And so the previous record was set last year at uh, 1.08 million yen. I guess you would say a business partner of the new co-op decided that they were going to make it a celebratory number by taking that 1.08 million yen figure, adding uh, 888,000 yen to that figure and bidding on the T for 1.968 million yen. It has a the price has an auspicious meaning to it. The number eight in the Japanese language has um, auspicious meaning to it. So they are basically congratulating the co-op for their wonderful new uh, venture. And so mm-hmm. that's the backstory to to the to the pricing of the of this tea. The idea is to create a congratulatory moment for the co-op. Let's talk a little bit about the tea itself. It is a handmade tea from the Samadori cultivar, a Yabukita cross first bred in 1969 and registered in 1990. What are the qualities that make this tea cultivar special? So the Samadori cultivar has been a rising star in the last few years in the tea industry in Japan. It is a cultivar that has a very strong element of sweetness to it. The sweetness and umami flavor in tea leaves is 
generally what is valued in, in the Japanese market. Also valued is the color of the leaf, the shine of the leaf, the appearance of the leaf is also valued. So when somebody is bidding on tea, tasters judge by tasting a tea that's been basically steeped in boiling water for several minutes, looking for defects in it. And the Saimidori cultivar generally has a, it has a tendency to have a very sweet rather than bitter flavor, which gives it an advantage over the standard, the most common cultivar, Yabukita. If you see photographs of the tea that was bid on, you can also see that because it was hand-rolled, it's uh, very, very, very fine needles. And this is a characteristic of hand-rolling uh, that you can get these very, very fine needles. They've probably also done some refinement by taking out smaller, less uh, needle-shaped leaves from the batch. And so you will get a one of the most beautiful leaves that you, if you ever have a chance to see this, will ever see. Well, one of the difficult things about hand-rolling is that um, you do need to have a master who is very, you know, very, very skilled and talented at hand rolling. The, the, when sencha leaves, any, any type of sencha type of leaf like yokuro or kabusecha, they are rolled by machines that built to imitate hand rolling. Um, so in, in any region of Japan, you have hand rolling preservation societies that teach farmers and processors, uh, not just farmers, but farmers and processing processor processing workers, how to hand roll the tea. And by learning how to hand roll the tea properly, um, that allows them to adjust the machines by the, the amount of temperature that of the air that's blown in to help the leaf get dry. And those things are something that you learn by hand rolling. So when you hand roll, you know what the feel of the leaf is. And then when you're using the machines, you can you know take some leaf out of the machine to feel it, to see exactly how the processing is going. But a machine also also allows you to, you know, standardize the process. Whereas hand rolling is very much an art and craft. So somebody who is very very good at hand rolling will be able to produce a very very good tea leaf. Your example of preservation societies established to pass on the skills of hand rolling tea is indicative of people who respect the leaf and traditional processing as a practical art. Japan has seen the demise of traditional methods recently because of the cost of maintaining standards defined by local custom and codified by the awarding of geographical indicators. In any industry, the, you have the, the high level and the low level, the high grade and the low grade. And I would say that even in matcha production, you know, the traditional method of producing is using um, straw built over a canopy that allows the tea leaves to grow freely that you would then handpick and then you would you process it into tencha and grind it into matcha. The types of methods that are utilized to increase the volume and therefore lower the price certainly you know are a break from tradition. On a positive note, you would say that there are modern innovations that help the farmer increase profitability. And certainly there are many, many farmers who are not traditionally Tensha farmers and who are many factory processors who are not traditionally Tensha and Matcha factories. And they may not, they may be operating without knowing exactly how um, it was done and how it should be done. You can definitely see that the innovations that are made are made with a background of the original methods. 
for example, when you look at you know the the grinding machines and the quality that is necessary for matcha in the grinding machines, the traditional grinding machine is the stone mill, um, and now you have things like um, ball mill grinding machines as well as uh, jet air propulsion uh, pulverization machines. And these machines, you know, they operate in a different way, in a very different method than the stone mill, than the traditional stone mills. They allow the processor to produce um, the grind matcha in much, much larger quantities than much more efficiently. You know, they know that you need to be able to specify, for example, the, the size of the grain of the, of the matcha. So a standard grain size for traditionally milled matcha um, is generally about on average five microns. And so the, you could get to five microns with uh, these pulverization machines if you wanted to. And so that type of, that type of knowledge is still exists in the industry. I do think that you see people utilizing the tradition for marketing gimmicks in a, in a kind of inauthentic way. Um, I see this even in Japan where you, you see matcha sold in cheap chocolates and it says that it was stone mill ground. And so if it's stone mill ground, it should be high quality. But, you know, if they use low quality leaves and they stone mill grind it um, instead of grinding it properly to the full um, five micron size, they can grind it very quickly um, to get more efficiency out of the stone mill and then um, have a more coarse grain that um, they can then use for marketing. So it, it works both ways, I think. And there's definitely a lot of knowledge in the industry that um, is based off of, you know, a century of research. You could say that the Japanese producers have been researching tea methods for hundreds of years. Tea exports led by matcha were up 26% to 20 billion yen, about 175 million U.S. dollars last year as Japan set an export record. Outbound marketing led to a 17% increase in volume. The government has set a 30 billion yen per year sales goal by 2030. There is even provincial-level funding for marketing Japanese teas overseas in Europe and the U.S. Will you share your insights on export opportunities? So this still represents about 7% of uh, Japanese production, which is, you know, a record and it's increasing. Uh, exports represent a, last year were um, set a record. It still only represents a fraction of the industry. Exports are rising and bottled tea is rising in terms of consumption. And that has been made clear by the Ministry of Agriculture here. Um, leaf tea consumption has actually been decreasing. Um, more and more people are uh, moving away from um, purchasing leaves and steeping leaves. And therefore, uh, the industry itself is very aware of this slow crisis that's building. The demand for the, the larger demand for tea in Japan is decreasing. The exports, export demand is increasing, but not nearly you know, enough to um, back up the or replace the decreasing domestic demand for tea leaf. It's just why producers in Japan ask their buyers, you know, what kind of tea does the market in your country want? <laughs> there needs to be more communication, I think. I think that will improve it, everything. 
Intrigued by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of T-Biz journalists and tea experts? Remember to visit the T-Biz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.